Well, which one will you choose? You're going to go to a party, so do you choose to wear your new clothes or go in your dressing gown? You're at the movies and you're watching a movie that you've seen already. Do you sit quietly and enjoy the movie again or do you shout out a running commentary to help the other people watching the movie? You're going to ice a cake. Do you use the jackhammer or the icing knife? You're a guest of honour at a dinner with the Queen for her diamond jubilee. Do you let the burp out and amplify its reverberations? Or do you politely suppress your innards? Some things are obviously inappropriate, aren't they? I mean, the Queen obviously wants you to burp. She's into that sort of thing. Uh, No, sometimes it's really easy, isn't it? Really easy to know what we are meant to do, and it's really obvious what we aren't meant to do. Friends, that's what our verses are like this morning. From last week, uh, the first half of chapter 4, we saw that as a church family, we're to be making every effort to build each other up in the truth of Christ. And if that's what we're trying to do, there are some things that are just obviously out of place among us, really inappropriate. And other things that are obviously terrific things to do. You would have noticed them as Liana just read the passage out for us. There's things like choosing between being malicious or being kind. These verses, they're not hard to understand. It's just a question of will we make every effort to walk in this word of God? The inappropriate things that uh, Paul uh, mentions, he calls them walking as the Gentiles do. In other words, to imitate the world out there will spell disaster for us in here. And so he tells us to not walk in the futility of the world's thinking. And he says we're not to walk in the world's way of life. Because for us to build each other up in Christ, God has a totally different walk for us. And it's a walk that will put a spring in your step. It's a wonderful walk. So let's have a look. We're going to pick it up in verse 16. And we'll hear Paul shout out that walking as the Gentiles doesn't help us to build one another up in Christ. Verse 16, chapter 4. From him, that's from Christ, from him the whole body, that's us as a church family, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. Living or literally walking as the Gentiles do will clearly not help us build one another up in love. And to ram this point home, Paul first highlights the futile Gentile mind and just how far out of touch it is with us building one another up in love. So let's have a look at uh, verse 17. Go back to verse 17. And as I read it, just look for the ways in which Paul describes the Gentile mind. Verse 17. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. It's not a pretty picture, is it? 
The Gentile world was characterized by the futility of their thinking, their darkened understanding, their ignorance due to their hard hearts. Their minds were futile, completely out of step with God. And that's just like our world today, isn't it? The world out there, having left God a long time ago, it's lost. Futile thinking about what's right and wrong. I mean, we live in a country where abortion is legalised and gambling is promoted. In our culture, getting drunk and scoring with a woman, that's celebrated. The world out there pursues sensuality. It gorges itself on impurity with a continual lust for more. And it all stems from their futile minds, separated from the life of God, darkened in their understanding. They've got no idea about right and wrong, no idea about what's truly important or what the good life is or the eternal consequences for their actions. And for us to have the mind of the world as we try and build each other up in Christ, that's like burping at the Queen's dinner. I mean, please, for us to walk like the world is so disgustingly inappropriate. It's a complete opposite of what we're trying to do for one another. And so we're to be rid of it. We're to put off the old life, be renewed in our minds so that we put on our new selves. Verse 20. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness." And what we see in these verses is that our minds drive our actions. In verse 22, look at it there, our old selves, our former way of life, is corrupted by its desires. The old mind distorts our lives. And so Paul says we're to put off the old self, we're to be rid of it, verse 23, by being made new in our minds. We need renewed minds so that then we'll be able to put on the new self and walk appropriately for building each other up in Christ. Because this new self, stemming from our renewed minds, is created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Now before we look at our new walk, our new selves that come from our renewed minds, it's worth pausing and thinking about how are our minds renewed? It's not very hard to work out because this is what we're looking at last week. In chapter 4 and verse 13, it's being united in our knowledge of the Son of God. In verse 15, it's speaking the truth in love to one another. Our minds are renewed as we fill each other's minds with the word of God, with the truth of Christ. And this is something we're to be constantly working on because we live in a world that saturates our daily existence with filth and rubbish and triviality. We're constantly being told by the world out there that greed is good and that personal happiness, making sure you're happy, is your number one priority, even if it means trampling over other people to make sure you get what you want. We walk in a world where impure sensuality is accepted and applauded. It's the air we breathe. And our old selves love it. The selfish, impure life really appeals to our old selves. 
But instead of inviting the pleasures of our old selves into our minds, we're to put off the old self and be made new in the attitude of our minds. And so we are to saturate each other, saturate each other's minds with the truth of Christ. Read his word together. Speak the truth of Christ to one another, reminding each other that Christ is our Lord and Saviour. He's the one who rose from the dead for us to forgive us and to save us and to adopt us as his own. And nothing that the world entices us with compares with the beauty of knowing him. As we just sung, the king has conquered our hearts. And we're to remind each other of this, that nothing that the world can offer is better, even compares to Christ. And so together we're to fill each other's minds with the glorious truth of Christ so that our minds will be renewed so that we can lead new lives, walk a different walk. Not walk as the world does in the futility of their thinking. Because having a futile mind leading to a corrupted walk, it's like icing a cake with a jackhammer when it comes to building each other up in Christ. Now we need renewed minds leading to a new walk so that we can keep the unity that we have in Jesus. And so having looked at our need for a renewed mind, from verse 25, Paul now turns his attention to the new walk that stems from it. It's a new way of life where we put off the old self and put on the new self. And there's lots in here, stacks of things that we're to do and not to do. But please, as I read from verse 25, remember it is not just a list of do's and don'ts. That's not what it is. Everything Paul says in here from verse 25 about the old life where to get rid of and the new life where to put on, it is all so that we'll know how to live in order to build each other up in Christ. So as I read from verse 25, see how what it says is really helpful in terms of keeping each other following the Lord Jesus. Verse 25. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood, And speak truthfully to his neighbour, for we're all members of one body. (laughs) Makes sense, doesn't it? If we lie to one another, we can't trust one another, but that'd be ridiculously inappropriate because we're entrusting ourselves into each other's care so that together we keep each other united in Jesus. As Paul says, we're one body. We need the truth of Christ from one another. Falsehood, it just doesn't have a place among us. Keep reading, verse 26. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Letting anger fester is no way to help each other to remain followers of Christ. Letting anger simmer against one other person in your church family. That is a sure way to invite bitterness and resentment. And it's really hard to help others to push on in their following of Jesus when you're bitter towards them. And so where to deal with their anger, where to talk things through. Because there's nothing the devil would love more than to see brothers and sisters in Christ fracture. Did you notice that in verse 27? That sinning in our anger is the, is the way that the devil gets a foothold among us. This is the games that he plays. The scheme of the devil 
What is he trying to do? He's trying to create division within a church family because he knows that our unity keeps us together following Christ. And he knows that our unity in Christ will also most likely help more and more people come to know and follow the Lord Jesus. And so there's nothing that will put a smile on the devil's face quicker than Christians bickering in anger. Because all that's going to do is going to cause us to stumble and crumble as Christ's people. And so we're not to give him a foothold. We're to talk our anger through for the sake of the Christian health of our brothers and sisters here. Let's keep reading. See what else there is for us to help each other remain united in Christ. Verse 28. He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with his own hands, that he may have something to share with those in need. It's pretty obvious again, isn't it? That stealing from one another, that's not going to promote love and unity, but sharing with one another, with those in need, that's a great way of communicating our selfless concern for one another. Keep going, verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. This is very similar to last week, isn't it? Only saying what's helpful for building others up, speaking the truth of Christ to one another. Only saying those things that will benefit those who listen. Not filling each other's minds with unwholesome talk, but only speaking what's helpful for building one another up in Christ. And it's what we want to do, isn't it? Because not only does a church family tearing itself apart bring tears of joy to the devil, it also brings tears of grief to the Holy Spirit. Verse 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Christ has given us his Holy Spirit and he's done that so that we'll be his people together, secured for the last day where we'll all go to be with our Lord. And so how do we grieve the Spirit of God but by speaking and acting in ways that tear Christ's people apart, by doing and saying things that will cause others in our church family to stumble in Christ instead of helping them in Christ. And so, verse 31, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. This is the walk of the old self. And we're not to walk as the Gentiles do, not, not to walk as the world out there lives, not to be walking in bitterness and rage and anger and brawling and slander. These will not help us to grow in Christ together. They've got no place in a church family, no place whatsoever. And so we're not the people who rage and brawl and slander. Now, when we have differences with one another, and we will, how are we to treat one another so that we'll keep each other following Jesus? Verse 32. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. That's the way a church family treats one another. Because when we're kind and compassionate and forgiving... It is just so helpful as we try and build each other up in Christ. It makes it so much easier to spur one another on in love and in good deeds when we're kind to one another instead of being malicious and bitter and slanderous. 
This is all very obvious, isn't it? It's like choosing whether to go to a party in your new clothes or your dressing gown, to burp or not to burp in front of the queen. This is all a no-brainer, isn't it? If we're making every effort to build each other up in Christ, then of course we're going to be kind and compassionate and forgiving and generous and honest. Paul summarizes it all for us at the beginning of chapter 5, where he says, instead of walking like the Gentiles, we're to walk like Christ by walking in love. Chapter 5, verse 1. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Now where it says there in verse 2, live a life of love, literally it's walk in love, just as Christ also loved us. And so we're not to walk as the Gentiles do, we're to walk like Christ. Walk in love. But again, remember, this is not just about being nice. This is not love one another so that you can give each other a warm fuzzy. No, it's walk in love just as Christ loved us. And how did Christ love us? Verse 2, he gave himself up for us. He died for us so that we would be forgiven of all our sin. Christ's love has an edge to it, has a direction, a goal, a purpose. His love for us was to do whatever it took to see us saved and at peace with God. And that's what our love for one another is to be like, to be doing whatever it takes to see that we all remain Christian making every effort so that we'll see that we all remain together, united in Jesus, each of us playing our part in building each other up as we speak the truth in love to one another. It's why we renew our minds. It's why we put off the old self and put on the new. It's for each other. Everything we do and think and say is for the sake of the other people in this room that we would all follow Jesus today and every day. And I don't know about you, but verses like these make me excited and tired. Excited by the thought of being in a church family where everyone's working hard for one another, everyone making every effort to see that we all remain united in the truth of Christ, walking in love together. That's exciting. These verses also make me tired as well at the thought of always thinking of others, always speaking for the good of others, always acting so that we'll all remain in Christ together. That's tiring. Always thinking of other people and not ourselves. It's wearying. And I know that there are those of you here who consistently and persistently work to help us to grow in Christ, where you make those phone calls and you pop in on people and you commit to growth groups and you sow God's word into our lives whenever and wherever you can. You even think about what you wear so that others here won't stumble in following Jesus. You make those meals and you pray those prayers and you apologise and you, you seek forgiveness and you forgive as the Lord forgave you. You have the hard conversations with people to help them to remain in their trust in Christ. You lose sleep at night 
worrying about your church family and how some of us will continue in the faith. You're so careful in your choice of words only to say what's helpful for building us up. You're generous with your time and your energy and your money and your family. You work really hard to imitate God and to walk in love, even as Christ loved us. And you're making every effort to keep our unity, to see that we all remain in Christ. And with the pressures of your own life and the pressures of the lives of the people around you, sometimes the weight just feels too heavy. And yet you keep pressing on and you build us up in love and you speak the truth of Christ to us and you're always thinking of us and how you can help us grow in Christ. Brothers and sisters, thank you. Of course, we can always walk before the Lord and one another in ways that are more like Christ, but for your persistent faithfulness to the Lord Jesus and your love for us in pointing us to him, thank you. And let's all do it. Let's all build each other up, renew each other's minds in the truth of Christ. Let's all put off our old self and put on the new. Let's not walk as the world around us. Let's walk in love, even as Christ loved us, so that together we'll remain in our precious Lord and Saviour. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for what you have done for us in your Son, that you have loved us in him, and that in him we are redeemed, we are saved, we are forgiven. You've given us your Spirit, that we might be united not only to him, but to one another, secure for the great last day when your Son returns. Heavenly Father, thank you. And we also thank you that you've given us a church family, where we can work together and each of us play our part to build each other up, to see that we remain together following Christ until the very end. And Father, we pray that by your spirit you would make us more like Jesus and live and walk in love that we might live for the sake of one another. Ultimately, Father, for the sake of Christ, that together we'll praise his name, not just today, but forever. Amen.